this neat, well, somewhat new, but not fully new series that we started last week. You've been hearing about um, uh, the five words for a long time now, and we have it uh, in the mornings right before we go into the sermon, you know, the five words uh, that actually are super important for a church because that's who we are as a church. It's not something that we came up with innovatively it's something that was already on scriptures on the bible and we just as a international church interethnic church for the global minded individual for the international worker and student uh we uh we we grab hold of certain values that we find in scriptures uh which we believe all churches should have it in some way or another but we emphasize these five words um, as, a, as a new city NYC church, right? So um, last week um, we went through um, through spirit led. That was the first word, and as you know, this series is focused on those five words. Um, and uh, what are those five words? Well, Karen already went through them, right? Spirit led, interethnic, home, and um, healing and global. Right, so those are the five words. And now, as I said last week, I spoke on the first word, which is spirit-led. It's on our website. If you go to newcity-nyc.org, click resources. And if you missed it, I encourage you to go and see it again. We went through Psalm 127. Uh, it is not us who build the house, but it is God, right? It is not. Uh, it is in vain that we build it unless the Lord watches over the city or builds the house, right? And we went through a really, some really cool stuff there. So I encourage you to watch that. And, and, and as I said, as a community, uh, we can put a lot of effort on certain things or relationships in vain, right? Unless we partner with the Lord and are led by His guidance. Now today, though, we are going to focus on the second word, and that's inter-ethnic, right? As I said, we kind of mention those things, those five words every Sunday, but we never really go in depth, and putting a verse or scriptures in them, you know, to back up our claim of these five words. And I think it's important for us to have this serious. So then, oh, I want to really know what these five words are. Then you always can come back to the series, go to our resources, find the recordings, and kind of dive in again, right, as a church. So I think it's important for us to go in depth on those five words that we hear every week. So today we'll dive into what it entails to be an interethnic community as New City NYC. Right. And and um, so, yeah, actually, um, I forgot to bring my controller, but thank you, Jorge. You can uh, you can go ahead and click it for me. Um, so, yeah, background um, uh, It's a little background about, uh, you know, the difference uh, between a multi ethnic community and a inter ethnic community or multicultural or intercultural community, right? So how many of you have maybe on, on school, on work, have heard this kind of like, uh, I will say trendy word nowadays, uh, multicultural, multi-ethnic on schools or your workforce, anyone like kind of heard that? Yeah, like New York City is so multicultural, multi-ethnic. You have that sort of kind of like cool tone in it, right? Um, and the trendy thing. but. But first, um, let's go back to multi, uh, Jorge, just multi, if you click back so we don't get ahead of ourselves. Thank you. 
So uh, multi is, what does it mean, multi? It's a prefix, right? You put multi something else, right? So multicultural, multi-ethnic. Multi means more than one, many, especially variegated. Now, what is variegated? I didn't know what it was variegated. So I clicked on it on Google. And it simply means it's, it's diverse, especially in color, right? That's what variegated means. It's diverse and in color and contrast, right? It's, it's variegated. So, so they're saying, yeah, it's more than one, it's many, but especially many different colors in contrast, right? That's what multi means, right? So, but what does inter means? A prefix inter, if you go to Google, put it on the dictionary, it will tell you what it is. Inter is, has two definitions. The first one is between and among. It's like when you're in between or among others, right? And the second one is mutually and reciprocally, right? Mutually and reciprocally, right? So, so now, a community can be multi-ethnic or multicultural, but does not imply it to be inter-ethnic or inter-cultural. That's why we didn't say multi-ethnic. We, we, we purposely chose the words inter-ethnic, right? We purposely use that word. And, 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 and to be inter, though, it implies to be among and in between, right? Like it says, between. And these are the actual words I, I copy and paste from, from Google, like the, the actual definitions, right? So uh, the, to be inter implies to be among, in between. Now inter-ethnic, it means among and between other people. And it also means to be reciprocal. Reciprocal means that uh, we, and, and there is a mutuality in which we are aware of each other, need, other's needs. You know, I have a need, someone in the community, I express that need, it, fulf it fulfills that need in community, someone else expresses a need, and in reciprocity, mutuality, we care, uh, we care on each other's, what? Need, we care. We care each other's burdens, each other's needs, right? So, so as an inter-ethnic, not just intercultural or multicultural or multi-ethnic, right? So, so you can have a multi-ethnic community and not being inter-ethnic. Does that make sense? And now if you're inter-ethnic, it implies to be multi-ethnic, right? But if you have a multi-ethnic, it doesn't mean you're inter-ethnic. You can have a bunch of people from all different places in the world and just don't talk to each other. They don't have a relationship. Or maybe just a very cordial relationship or very casual and, you know, politically correct relationship, right? Like, like uh, diplomats that when go, they, you know, they go and talk in the UN. And it's nice, you know, and they're politically correct, but I wonder how many of them actually are good friends and... They share meals and they go to each other's houses. Maybe some. I'm not sure. I'm not in that atmosphere. In that, but does that make sense? It's multi doesn't mean inter. Inter means implies multi-ethnic. So, uh, as an interethnic inter community, we're called to intentionally be in relationship with each other, to humbly learn from each other's differences, that we may know God, others, and self better, right? That we may God know God, others, and self better. So, 
Uh, and I mentioned this uh, example in the past, but I'm going to mention it again because I think it's important. If you are in Broadway and you see Jesus on the very center stage and you have a bunch of different ethnicities or people that are spectators of the show of Jesus, right? Now, let's say that people that are watching are people from all over the world, right? You got people from every continent, every country represented on that audience. But some are on the mezzanine, some are on the lower level, some are on the left, some are on the right, some are on the last, some are on the first, right? But everyone kind of gets a different perspective of Jesus, right? Some will get their right profile, some will get their left profile, some will get their bald head, you know. Some some of them will might get uh, you know, like the neck, right? Or certain features on the right, certain features on the left. But not everyone will get all of it, right? But if you talk to each other and describe your experience of Jesus' show, right? Then you will learn certain things that you might have not known if you were secluded and siloed on your own perspective. And that's what I mean that the multi-ethnic and inter-ethnic church is so important because if we learn from each other and we talk to each other, regardless of the level of maturity or level of maturity meaning on your, on your walk with God, just by the fact that from different cultures in the way they've experienced worship, experienced God, experienced prayer, it will inform a lot to you, to me, about how Jesus is and how he's impacting other people's life. And it will bring insight that you might have never known before unless you would have talked to someone else that does not look like you. Right? And that is the beauty of an inter-ethnic community. Right? Also, obviously, you will get to know others better, right? It's kind of obvious you're talking to someone else. But we'll also get to know yourself better because there are certain blind spots that we don't know and we lack awareness, but other people that are from other cultures, might see things that are not obvious to us, but they're kind of obvious to them because this very striking difference, right? I mean, think about Latinos and, and, and Asians. Like, we're striking difference. We, we have similarities. Like, we're very communal. Uh, we're both very communal, uh, very people, community-oriented, right? But then there's a lot of differences between, uh, you know, even between countries, in between cities, right? So there's, there's a lot of differences there that we can learn from each other's, you know, relationships. So, all to say, what entails to be an inter-ethnic community? What entails to be an inter-ethnic community? And that's why this passage is so important. Because it, it kind of gives us a... a it kind of gives us a guide of what it means to be an interethnic community, just in all those interactions that happen. And, and, I, and Revelations is a passage in which it talks about the future, but it also somehow talks about the present. It's sort of ambiguous, because a lot of Christians back then, they were suffering terrible persecution, horrific persecution to the point of death and torture. Right, And there is a tribulation already going on at that time. And then he's talking about a tr- great tribulation that will come later. Right, um, So what does it entail to be an internet economy community? So the first one is to be a microcosm of God's intended society. Verse 9. 
Now what verse 9 says, if we read it again, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Can you imagine? That means that it was probably millions of people there, right? No one could even number. And, you know, you cannot number this. From every nation. He doesn't say from almost, from most nations. He says from all nations. So, every nation represented. We have a lot of nations represented here, but not every nation, right? This is crazy stuff. This every nation from all tribes, subgroups within those nations, right? Subgroups and peoples and languages. How descriptive Jeff can be. And then he says, um, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothing white robes with palm branches in their hands. So heaven, right? What does it mean to be a microcosm of God's intended society? That's, that's God's intended society is what's called mishpat in the, in, in the Hebrew Bible, which means justice. Whenever you see justice in scripture, you just, how can you translate that best into your, it's, it's hard to translate, but you can use God's intended society, God's intended community. When people think about justice and and thinking about like trafficking and drugs and war, like what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on right now in Peru and the people that are dying for the protests and stuff like that. That is a lot of injustice going on, right? That is not God's intended society. God did not intend for more than 45 people to be dying in Peru right now because of protests, right? Or doses of people dying in Ukraine, right? He did not intend that. That's that's an injustice. And then people is like, we need justice. That's God's intended society. Right? So, so we are called, though, to be a microcosm. That means a, a, a little cell from a big body. Right? A little sugar from something bigger than us. A microcosm from a macrocosm. To be a microcosm of God's intended society. Of God's justice. Now, heaven is God's ultimate will for society. A place where there is no sin, not injustice, neither pain or fear. Right now, in this vision that the Apostle John had on when he was writing the last book of scriptures, Revelations. Right? Um, he, um, he was describing heaven. He was describing heaven. He was describing an other world at that point. You know? People were worshipping with branches. Already probably dead, right? They were not in, in the world at the moment. And, 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 and so that's, that's, that's the description of heaven. Now, as Christians, we believe that when Christ died and resurrected from the death, he left the Holy Spirit to be poured out on his church. It's a community of people that believe in Jesus. That's what it means. So that glimpses of heaven can be experienced here on earth. Glimpses of heaven on earth because the Holy Spirit now dwells within the church. Right? So, and that can be experienced here on earth. Now, we live in, peer, in a period where God's fullness is here, but not yet. So, God is here, but, but not quite in its fullness. Right? That's the, the, what we've seen after Jesus died and the Holy Spirit came, all that, right? And so, imperfectly, but with the leading of His Spirit... We become a piece of what heaven looks like. 
we become imperfectly a little piece as a microcosm of what heaven should look like. A microcosm of the microcosm God would like to see on earth where there is no racism, there is no hate, there is no division, no war, nor famine, which divides society, right? Where we literally embody justice, God's intended society. Where despite our strike differences, we enter into friendships, leaving aside our differences, either physical differences, cultural, personality differences, and humbly setting aside those differences to listen and learn from each other, we are a mini heaven on earth. We are a mini heaven on earth. Right? So that is one thing that we see on verse 9. To, to be a microcosm of God's intended society. That's what we're inter-ethnic New Zealand we see church community. We're a little heaven here on earth. Right? And we walk by the Holy Spirit. In love and justice, you know, and even those that might not believe yet in Christ, we want to be that. We want to be that mini heaven to the ones that are still on this faith journey on trying to figure out if they're going to trust this Jesus or not, right? Think about it. a third of our people are not Christian. A third of New City and Wesley community are not Christian, right? And that's just a beautiful thing because we want to welcome no matter what your background is. And I want to show you that sort of sacrificial love imperfectly, but somehow be that heaven for everyone here, right? Even among us that might be, that believe, but also those that are still on this journey of faith, right? So now second thing we see from verse 12, 10 to 12, is to, we're interethnic, and that means that we are both inclusive and exclusive as Christians. We're both inclusive and exclusive as Christians. Verse 10 to 12 says, uh, And crying out with a loud voice, they were saying, the people from all nations, peoples, tribes, and languages, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power. I mean, all these like adjective, power, honor, everything great, right? And might be to our God forever and ever. Amen, which means I affirm this even strongly. Amen, right? That's what it says on verses 10 to 12. And, 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 and that's what is, it's a beautiful glimpse here of Christians being both inclusive and exclusive. Because on verse 9, guess what we saw? People from all nations. From all languages. No exclusion whatsoever. Christianity boasts as being the only monotheistic religion that is translatable. Making it the most inclusive. Now, Pierre, what do you mean by translatable? I don't mean like translating a language. But it does include that. But it's beyond that. It, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, translates to every single culture. It's not colonialistic. But it, it rather, it rather uh, empowers a culture, the good things about the culture, not the bad, sinful thing. It's, that's not, that, that's not going to fit into that. But it's going to fit into the beauty of each culture. And from that culture, the expression of worship might be different from another culture. And that is a beautiful, it's translatable. 
The Bible can be translated into different languages, no matter what languages. But if you think about uh, other monotheistic cultures, our, our Jewish brothers, Muslim brothers, sisters, right? Islam must be what? Must be expressed in Arabic. And in, in, in the Jewish must know the Hebrew, right? Like these are the other monotheistic cultures. And cannot be translated, it's too holy. But Christianity is translatable to, to all cultures, right? And, and, and it can be expressed without losing its, its pure doctrine, can be expressed through its own culture. That's when if you go to Africa, you see people dancing because that's how playing drums, like that's how they express that that's their culture, right? And then if you go to Latino church, they're gonna be dancing merengue or salsa all, all around. And they don't have to lose who they are in their, within their own culture, right? To be Christians, right? You got the Americans in the Midwest just sitting on the pews and listening and being very intellectual. Like, it's just a beautiful thing, right? It, it's just different. So, so all to say, um, it, it boasts to be a monotheistic religion that is translated, making the most inclusive, where now 70% or perhaps more of the Christian population is in the global south. That is Asia, Africa, and Latin America, the global south. Christianity, though... Not reflecting Christ's intention at certain times in history, because we've seen inquisitions, we've seen colonialism, we've seen certain periods of time in which Christians uh, did not reflect Christian Christ's intention. But when truly led by the Spirit of Christ, it is not colonialist, but rather is inclusive. Where those from different cultures are able to express worship on their own cultural and, and linguistic context. Now, that's been inclusive, but it is exclusive in that it only offers one path. That it only offers one path. Where we believe the God of the universe laid out his plan of healing and salvation of his intended society, justice, in a world of injustice, a.k.a. sin, right? He laid out his plan of healing and salvation through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. We see in verse 9 how John uses four descriptors, right? He uses uh, uh, to describe the interethnicity of the crowd. We, we see nation, tribe, peoples, and languages. Four descriptions from every, from every nation, every tribe, every people, all peoples, and all languages. That Despite their political, linguistic, nationalistic, racial difference, they all were worshiping in unity the one true God. Perfect example of being both exclusive and inclusive. It being Christian, you'll find out it's, it's a both and kind of thing. It's not an either or. Yeah, it's both and, both exclusive and inclusive. Right? So, so you see that that diversity, they all in unity were worshiping one true God. And you see that on verse 12. Somehow God united them all despite their strike differences. And that is to be both inclusive and exclusive as Christians. Now, we see that we're to be a microcosm of God's intended society. On verse 9, on verse 10 to 12, we see that, to be both, that we are Christians to be both inclusive and exclusive as Christians. That is what it means to be an interethnic community. Now, number three is um, 
Our international experience is what unites us. Our international, I put that on purpose now that we get, got down the word inter, right? Now you're getting down more what international means. It's, it means that you're interacting from people from different nations. Now, verse 13 and 14 says, um, Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where they have come? Those on white robes were all this crowd from all different nations, right? I said to him, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. That means that the robes were full of injustice, but they were washed. The lamb represents Jesus who was sacrificed for our sins, for our injustices. They were washed in the blood of the lamb. And that's verses 13 through 14. Now, what does that have to do with, with um, international experiences? What unites us? So when John wrote the book of Revelations to the first century church, at that time, those that have put their faith in Jesus were heavily persecuted by both the Roman Empire and also some, not all, but some of the Jewish people as well. Right? Which were the ones that killed Jesus. The Romans tolerated other existing religions existing religions as long as they were not critical of other religions and to the lordship of Caesar who Caesar the king and what Romans believe he was a god the Caesar was a god within the Roman Empire Christianity was anything but what the Romans wanted they said there was one lord Christians said there was one lord who is Jesus and, and we see that on the book of Romans <laughs> which is directed to the church of Rome in the very center of the empire at that time. And this is like, there is no, there is only one Lord, Jesus. No other Lord, right? It's very specific. On the Lordship basically saying, no Caesar, it's just Jesus, right? There is, Caesar's not a God. So, and, and, and as such, Caesar was no longer the Lord, the God. And also they did not, Keep to themselves as other religions. Because other religions will keep to themselves. We want them controlled. Right? The Caesar wanted this. Yeah, we'll allow the Jews. We'll allow these different religions. You know, Greek religions. Polytheistic religions. But just kind of stay within your own, your own kind of thing. You know? Keep you controlled there. But the Christians did not keep to themselves as other religions were attached to language and ethnicity. Remember? Christianity was translatable. But other religions were attached to language and ethnicity. Christianity was an inclusive religion where God reached to people in grace through Jesus Christ and deserved favor. And many were adhering to it because of the miraculous encounters they will have with the love of Jesus. To the point that they were willing to be tortured despite many of them being displaced and relocated because of persecution and tribulation. John was writing this revelation, this book, to a diverse group of people from different cultural backgrounds that were going through great tribulation, bringing them hope in the midst of suffering. Though, so you see the context here, or where, why they were saying, oh yeah, these people from all nations were persecuted, were in great tribulation, right? That's what verses 13 to 14 were saying. So though we're not being persecuted right now, 
It is our common experience, both the joys and the struggles of it all, that brings us together despite our differences. Many of us might go back to our countries of origin and we won't fully belong as we used to. Having people even tell us that our accent have changed. How many of you might have experienced this when you go back home? It's like, it sounds a little funny. You don't sound kind of the same as you used to. And you don't even know what your accent is because you, you don't sound American either. So it's kind of like a mix of it. So it's just, you know, that's, that's one example. So many of us go back to our countries, full belong, having people... Yeah, and it will be the same in this land here. We won't fully belong because of our accents and cultural backgrounds, right? It is in this in-between experience, we kind of are in an in-between sort of thing, right? As global-minded individuals, like global citizens, we sort of feel in-between. Even if you're from here, sometimes you might go home and you might be, what are they talking about? You know, like, it's just like very different sort of experience. So... So that, that in-betweenness, though, um, is what, what, where we find each other and relate so much in such struggle. This is what allowed the early church to thrive and to translate the gospel to so many different cultures. That is why the Apostle Paul identified himself as being a citizen of heaven before he was a Jew or a Roman citizen. Remember, Paul had multiple earthly citizenships. He was a Jew, but he was also Roman, right? That's why he was able to appeal to Rome, all that, because he had Roman citizenship, which was a very um, privileged thing to have back then. So, but, but he talks about his citizenship first being on heaven. Perhaps this is why internationals, we are able to easily identify with each other Perhaps because of this in-between experience, we're more readily to accept our heavenly citizenship before all others, and hence able to embody a piece of heaven on earth. Perhaps. Let me repeat that. Perhaps this is why as internationals, we're able to easily identify with each other because of this in-between experience we're more readily to accept our heavenly citizenship before all others, and hence able to embody a piece of heaven on earth. So finally, last verses here, our hope in Christ, our greatest commonality. Verses 15 through 17 says, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. That's weird that a lamb is a shepherd. But the lamb being Jesus himself who was slain is our shepherd and he will guide them all these people this crowd from all different nations he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes that's our greatest commonality now finally it is our hope in Christ that allows us to be centered in him regardless of the differences we might hold or the circumstances and the handling of it we might be going through we're able to point to each other that no matter what, we will be, quote, 
15b, be sheltered together as one under his presence. That there will not be any physical need, verse 16. That the Lamb, Jesus, will guide us to comforting living waters, verse 17. And that every tear, pain, and fear will be wiped away by God himself, verse 18. And through that reassurance, we will remain together. It is the hope we have in the gospel and the ability of being able to attain part of it now and in its fullness in heaven. It is this hope that regardless of differences, glue us together as an inter-ethnic community. So now, so, so we went through, through, through these four points to, to be a microcosm of God's intended society, one. Two, to be both inclusive and exclusive as Christians. Three, our international experience is what unites us. And four, our hope in Christ is our greatest commonality. And guess what? It is all these, all this is right here on this passage. That it starts with all nations worshiping God. And everything they talk about, it's about Jesus. And referring back to that crowd. Just so you know, if you get confused, if you read through, they're talking about the crowd of all people, right? So though we're from different backgrounds, we thrive to be a microcosm of heaven here on earth. Not just global citizens, right? Like we always thought we're global citizens, but heavenly citizens. That we may know God, others, and self more. Later in the book of Revelations, in one of the final chapters, John speaks about a new city on, on chapter 22, I believe. The new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. In this new city, there is no longer injustice and no longer a sun or a moon. Why there is no longer a sun or a moon? Because God's glory will shine instead. And His presence will overshadow this beautiful new city. We will be in God's presence. And so us, as new city, NYC, we want to be that microcosm. That new city. Where there is no injustice among us. Where the presence of God dwells among us. Where by being spirit-led, we're able, last, spirit-led last week. Where we're, by being spirit-led, we're able to wipe each other's tears despite our differences. And we are only able to do such things, not in our own strength and willpower. That's the grace of God. That's the gospel. But through the work of Jesus Christ, who unites us all. So we are a new city in NYC, right? That's who we are. And that's who we are. <laughs> This is, uh, the, the picture is from, from the retreat, the fall retreat. There were so many pictures. But this is one of my favorites because it's so diverse and in every kind of way, you know. Even there are people here that are still on their journey in faith. Uh, some of us here have been on this journey of faith for quite a while. Um, I, we are people from all over, too. So you can see that in the faces. And also intergenerational. We got little ones, too. And we got college students, and we got grad students, and we got people in the workforce. So it's just diverse in, in every form. That's who we are. 
We are New City NYC. We are spirit-led. We are interethnic, right? We're home. We're healing. We're global. So now let's reflect a little bit here on the next one. So we can't, but Jesus can. We cannot be interethnic. We cannot be a city, a new city, right? Unless, as they said, as this very passage said, unless our robes that are filled with injustice are washed by the blood of the Lamb. It is all in vain, like we said last week. We need to remember that it is not I, it is not you, but it is Jesus that through the cross who carried all of our injustices that we may, what? That we may find eternal life. Not when we die. Eternal life starts now. We can see heaven on earth now. We don't have to wait until then. Heaven is now. Right now. Once we come and believe on the good news of Jesus who died for you on the cross. Resurrected to life on the third day. Gave you the Holy Spirit. That if you say yes, like John said on his Gospel of John, the same writer said on John 1, that for those that receive him shall be called children of God. We become part of the family of God, sisters and brothers. So with that being said, let's reflect on this. Have I ever thought of Christianity being a beacon of unity among peoples from different backgrounds? Maybe we always focus on badging the Inquisition, the Crusades, when they're, they're, the spirit of Christ already left that organization. They, God was still on other movements, but not on that movement. So have I ever thought of Christianity being a beacon of unity among people from different backgrounds? How that this view challenges my worldview about Christianity, especially for those that we might not believe in Jesus. Yet, but how does this challenge this? Now next, we see in what ways might God be calling me to not just be multi-ethnic, but rather inter-ethnic? In what ways might God be calling me to not just be multi-ethnic, but rather inter-ethnic? Maybe we have judgmental thoughts about people from other backgrounds. Not allowing people that do not necessarily look like me, like you, in relationships, maybe we have cordial relationships, but we rather don't kind of go into certain boundary, per se, to enter into deeper relationships from people from other people that might not look like us. And third, how might the Holy Spirit be leading me to love others outside my circle as a citizen of heaven, both as an individual and also as a microcosm of heaven, as a community in New City, NYC, or my current community if we come from another community and you happen to be listening to this. How is God calling me? Guys, this is very dangerous, but we can get very cozy as a New City NYC and we love our people and we hang out with them all the time. 
and we love going to the diners and we go going to the restaurants and for the foodies but then we forget about how we got here first and how can we hoard this selfishly and not share it with other people that's very important the church loses its power once it becomes a xylo, it becomes a social club of people that just are too comfortable with each other. We must be aware, and I know all of us know people in our different circles of jobs or stu studies, that they, they need the hope you found here. Even if you do not believe in Jesus, but you come, keep coming because of community. You keep coming because you feel something is different. Even then... God calls us to not be selfish, to call into other people into a community, call them accountable. With that being said, how about we pray? Let's close our eyes. I'll call the worship team and uh, up they can come as I pray. Let's close our eyes. Um, God, I just thank you for your presence. Lord Jesus, um, I pray, God, that if it is I that, that, uh, that some of us here might not believe in you yet, God, but if you bring a spirit of conviction, I pray, God, that they will pray just a prayer of forgiveness, a prayer of love. Just saying that if that's you, you can just say this in your heart if you feel led to. Like, Jesus, forgive me for what I've done, the injustices come into my heart. Make me anew on the blood of the Lamb like you made anew peoples from all nations when they wash their robes filled with injustice in the blood. So do it with me today. And for those of us, God, that, that, that in what way have you, are you calling me? Are you calling us to not just be multi, but be inter-ethnic? How can we be interacting with people that don't necessarily look like us? Having actual deep friendships with people that don't look like us. Even, even, even thinking like maybe if you allow it, would I marry someone that is not from my culture? Even to the point of death in which, in which that doesn't mean you're going to marry someone from another culture. Marry a Peruvian. Though we're like from different planets. But, but it's still like Jesus might want that. And, and God, I just pray that you just release that, release those thoughts, God, of interdnissing into our lives. And finally, Holy Spirit, we pray that you lead us to not hoard this hope, but to love others outside my circle and bring them here. Bring them to these circles of hope, love, peace, and joy and healing in Jesus' name.